Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Eric Bimefor is officially back from the dead. He has risen back to the depths of this mortal plane. And what I've decided for today is I am going to put him in the hot seat and we are going to rank these players that are getting hyped up through preseason and see how much we can make him sweat. <laughs> Eric, how are you feeling, my friend? Well, I was feeling pretty good because I'm kind of excited about this show topic. And then you said you flipped the switch on what we were going to do. And this is going to apparently be miserable for me. I thought we were done for the short term with the the the, the streams where we make ourselves feel miserable. Oh, I guess mm-hmm. this is just you making me feel miserable as opposed to us eating too many hot dogs or whatever. Well, we don't have to eat anything today, which is the That's important good. the important thing um at all so that's that's important but you'll see when we get to it um what have you been other than like these players that are getting hyped what have you been looking at throughout this preseason what has like kind of caught your attention so i'm glad you asked like kind of that specific question because i think it's a little bit twofold and you see a lot if you're in our little bubble right in which if you're watching this you're probably into fantasy football you're into best ball you're drafting best ball teams you're following all these smart people on twitter every we're we're all obsessing i am too obsessing over like almost every little detail right we're reading all the camp reports i said this i think the last time i was here or on a different show you said it perfectly um a month ago or something like that that you're like i feel like i just watched the entire jaguars 
training camp practice yes. just from being on Twitter, right? Because there's just every play in seven on seven and 11 on 11 and everything is like being put out on Twitter. And so there's so many conclusions being drawn. And of course, there's valuable information, right? We'll talk about plenty of that, you know, guys running as the fourth running back that were, you know, not expected to be the fourth running back, et cetera. But what I'm really honing in on even more than just seeing who's playing with the ones and and some of that stuff is kind of how everyone else is treating each one of these situations. And so, you know, I'm, of course, being very mindful of if this is actually changing the outlook and some of these guys we will get to um, guys that are getting hyped and then maybe some of the guys that are getting hyped that are dragging down their teammates, um, like in the Chiefs uh, example. Mm -hmm. But I'm more so being like, are people are people again another chief are people really gonna knock travis kelsey because he didn't play every snap with the you know with the starting lineup are people really gonna knock yeah are people (laughs) really gonna not and i'm not saying they are aren't whatever but i understand why someone is 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 talking about that it's fine to discuss and bring up but if we're gonna react to it right if the market's gonna react to it and push this guy down um, or vice versa, push this guy really high up when there are still concerns. I'm kind of reading how people are reacting more so than just, I think that's kind of the the big difference in how we should handle it. Like I want, are people going to, you know, give me the opportunity to draft? We'll probably talk about some of these types of situations, but like Antonio Gibson, I was not drafting him one bit, but a, one of his teammates is getting a lot of buzz. And now it's, it's setting up a situation where, Maybe I am kind of changing my uh, approach to these things. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it, as opposed to like, oh, yes, he's running with the ones. I got to draft him now. Pete and I got Josh Jacobs about 50 picks past ADP on Friday <laughs> night and a $250 draft. And it felt right. So like and then it feels even more right when you see Kenyon Drake getting released, because yeah. now you're like, well, now it's Jacobs and Zamir White don't tell me Amir Abdullah you psychopath like that's not happening that's not going to be a thing so it's like uh, you're to the to your point you're getting some value on players like that because of overreactions um some of it might be valid Antonio Gibson mm-hmm. might just be a bust and we'll talk about it but you can also play the data to your to your advantage so I did this in the discord last night just to tease everybody because everyone was talking about Kyle Pitts last night and rightfully mm-hmm. so but I was like, oh, are we really drafting a third rounder that only got one target last night? Right. Like, so you can twist data to, to fit your narrative if you really want to. Now, it's that's a false narrative. And that was more me poking fun. But yeah, so it's sifting through the data and having and letting people speak it to whatever point they want to make. Right. Um, let's give Matthew Barry some props. He used to do this all the time. He probably still does it where he'll give you player A and player B mm-hmm. and player A will always look, you know, way better and player B will look awful and player A is, you know, I don't know who's who's like the worst running back you remember. Like last year Peyton Hillis and player B's, <laughs> you know, like top pro, top end Christian McCaffrey year. So like th- that's the stuff that you have to really pay attention to. It's like who's Who's pushing a narrative? Who's not? Like, what data are we actually caring about? And before we get into this tier list, the other thing I have to ask you, um, what is it like? How do you feel being a new, a newly minted 
MLB best ball thought leader. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, so it's funny you say that I was, I'm almost kind of sad you brought it up because my individual teams, I don't know. I, dra- I didn't draft a lot, right? I, mm-hmm. Like maybe 20, something like that. 15, 20 teams, something like that. I only got four through. So my own um, teams were just dog shit, horrible, <laughs> pathetic advance rate. Right. Um, I took huge stands. I went, you know, I turned my zero RB card into a zero pitcher card and drafted all these advanced card. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I I turned, (laughs) I turned the, I turned into a zero pitcher guy and drafted all these late round pitchers and they were all hurt or dog shit or whatever. And so I only have a couple of, of live teams and I don't feel very optimistic about it, but you know, we can market it as, uh, you know, our teams, you know, including yours and Daigle's, you know, that's the real skill to be able to draft a team that advances when you're drafting three other teams at the same time. So I'm taking it as a W on MLB season. I drafted three teams total. Two of them were the draft Cathlon teams <laughs> and all three advanced. <laughs> so it's stick to baseball, bro. <laughs> so MLB thought leader is all I'm saying right now. So, all right. Do we want to get into this tier list? Cause we usually run a little long on these, so we should probably. Yeah. Just... And I would like to keep it to uh, about an hour this time, as opposed to, you know, an hour and 45 minutes when we <laughs> yes. uh, do it. the other times. All right. So here's the twist. I originally had five categories for this and I was thinking about it earlier today and I am not going <laughs> to let either of us <laughs> middle anything. So there are only two categories this time. There is all aboard the hype train and there is also, Bahaha, no, this is overrated. <laughs> so as you can see, the middle one is null, which means don't try to middle it, you cowards. And that's where we're going with this because I I don't want to middle anything on this. I want this to be strictly us making a stand on these players. So I like it. That's what we're gonna do. All right, and, who's up? Who's up first? So right, uh, really so, quick, um, the the entire premise, right, was. Uh, just generally the you know there's probably some guys somebody in the chat might say oh this guy's getting hype and you didn't mention him we kind of tried to hit the most most generally notable guys and kind of most fantasy relevant guys as well that are getting getting um fantasy hype and in particular if you've been draft have you been drafting you know over these last several days or whatever some of these guys (laughs) where they're going in drafts is wild so we'll talk about that too yeah, and like you said, this is all mostly rookies, some second year, some other players here and there. But I think it's like mostly rookies, second years, and maybe Christian Kirk is the outlier one as well. Um, just because he started getting a little bit of hype this week, yep. more so, which is sad for me. But <laughs> that is, uh, that's what we're going to be going through. So we're going to kick it off with Brandon Ayuk. And I thought this one was interesting because when you sent me this name over, I was like, what do you, why are you throwing Brandon Ayuk in there? And he's one of those guys that I hadn't even realized has just been rising up round by round by round. And then I went into a draft after you sent me this last night and I was like, Oh yeah, Holy shit. Brandon Ayuk's like in the sixth round again, all of a sudden. And you were getting him what, like at least the 10th, 11th to start maybe further. I don't remember, but it, it's been a slow drip of him just moving up the le- up the board. And um, I was like, yeah, I didn't even notice that he was moving up so much. <laughs> he he was he's definitely that. I remember I'm trying to pull up the ADP, not that big of a deal while we're talking. Um, but getting, I don't know, let's say at like the eight, nine turn, 
mm-hmm. getting La- like Lance Ayuk stacks. It was like, you know, and now obviously Lance is in the sixth round, but Ayuk has gotten there too. You can't even stack them up together because it, was, it wasn't it was so much preseason. So he's a kind of maybe a smidge of an outlier compared to some of these guys. It's not, I mean, he hasn't played in the mm-hmm. preseason. It's been just camp and everyone talking about like, he might be the best player on the offense, you know, him and Lance are, you know, uh, uh, throwing together during the off season. And so um, we're about, we're, we're kind of back to last year, Brandon Ayuk. I guess the difference is he is still technically the cheapest of the the 49ers guys, but I, I will say I'm pretty much all aboard the hype train with, with Brandon Ayuk. And part of it is because he is still that cheapest, you know, we've kind of flipped last year. Kittle was technically more expensive than Brandon Ayuk, but really not by that much. And now mm-hmm. you have Debo in the second round and Ayuk in the four, or, uh, excuse me, Kittle in the fourth or fifth. And Ayuk is the guy who absolutely could just be, you know, the the best fantasy player, I guess, outside of Trey Lance on this offense. Or technically, if Lance is not very good, uh, it could be it could be Brandon Ayuk. And so I, I'm buying it, and he hasn't kind of crossed a line where i think it's 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 too much yet some of these guys have but he you know in that sixth round or whatever there's been guys who've fallen out of there and guys who've risen up out of there over the course of the offseason and so he's kind of settled into a range now where um I, I do like those quarterbacks that go there but he's in this this kind of wide receiver breakout on an offense i'm trying to target that uh, i'm still buying him and and i think it's kind of like a post type sleeper type thing where last year we were you know, we were excited about him late rookie breakout. We're excited about him last year, obviously going at his egregious ADP. Um, and now it might just be this year was actually the year to, to buy him. So I just checked my exposure across all tournaments with him and I'm at 15% with him. So while I'm thinking about it, he's probably at the absolute highest level that I'm going to draft him at. So once he starts to get a little higher than he is, maybe, um, uh, just just to reiterate, Eric, we are not allowed to pick the three null tiers. It is either you're in or you're out. No middling on this. No um, no Jack Settlement flat exposures across the board <laughs> type deal going on here. That's what the three null ones are. So it's either all aboard the hype train or overrated. So I will give this one all aboard the hype train, but like he is literally at the ceiling of where I want to draft him at. Once he moves up a little bit more, I'm out, and yeah. as my exposure is going to drip down a little bit, I'm I'm fine with it. Like I'm fine with not drafting him anymore, especially when I'm already at 15 percent exposure yep. rate. I, I, but I think or, that's also a good. He's a good example of that kind of thing, and, and we'll probably talk about some more guys that are like that. Where mm-hmm. he's still fine, I'm still okay drafting him, and I've been drafting him. We will reach a point probably if it keeps going, if it keeps going up to where there's just other guys, and that's yeah. the nice thing about the off season is. You can still kind of chase this this guy that you're excited about into ranges that still make sense, but then eventually you can move on, and now you're going to get a different guy, right? I I haven't drafted much, I don't know, DK Metcalf or something, but if, if we start getting him falling and vice versa, you can kind of manipulate just the ADP um, in your portfolio. All right, let's get into the Houston Texans running back, Damian Pierce. Where... I think I think the thing we should add to is we should add our exposures as we're talking about these players just yep. to tell people where we're already at um, with them as well. So personally, I'm already at nine percent exposure on Damian Pierce, which is pretty. You know, I can't be overweight and underweight on everybody. There's some people that I got to be sort of in that middle on, but I was I was taking more of him 
especially because he was my bring back for a lot of my Jag stacks um, when I could get them a lot later. It's a little bit tougher to pull that trigger now because he's getting into a range of running backs that I'd rather have because uh, he's getting close to that, like Singletary, yep. Damian Harris, and I'd rather have all those guys. And when he's the last one left, I guess maybe, but for me, he's currently overrated. He's moved up too high. Yep, I think I'm the same. I have 7% Damian Pierce at an average ADP of 119 in Best Ball Mania, and his ADP right now is 95. And mm-hmm. so kind of similar to what we talked about with Ayuk a little bit, I got I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I understand the hype. There was kind of that the Texans really needed somebody to emerge. He's the young, exciting rookie. But at the end of the day, he's not going to play every snap. I understand he's the one getting the hype, but we're still talking about a guy who's going to share some work on one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And mm-hmm. he wasn't that good of a prospect. He looks good. I agree. I don't have any really negative things to say about Damian Pierce, but like it's one of those, which we're going to get into some more of those guys on this list for sure, where it's like, I understand the hype and it's fine that he's risen. I think he should have risen, but it's a running back on the Houston Texans who's still probably going to, you know, Rex Burkett's not going to play zero snaps. Maybe Marlon Mack's not going to play zero snaps or somebody else. Maybe they sign somebody, you know, I don't know. And so, I think we should just be realistic about that. I'm I'm at my seven percent. I'm probably not going to draft him anymore. So, just uh, can you say what your average ADP was on him? One nineteen point four. All right. So my average, I have him. I'm just going to look at my best ball mania three exposures, and I, my average ADP on him there is one hundred and twenty four point eight three. Basically, so I'm ten percent exposed to him there. Like for me, everything you just said hits the nail on the head. Like. The Houston Texans, how much do we really want to get on that on that train, right? I, Damian Pierce might be great, but he might not be able to show it this year. So he's got an uphill battle just based on a lot of different things this year. I liked him when we could get him late, but yeah, I think he is definitely becoming too overrated at this point. Um, this might be an interesting conversation. Where are you on Romeo dubs 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 um yeah which is really funny here here i'm about i'm about as um excited for you know and and taking as strong of a stand on romeo dubs as he was with not telling people what is how to say his actual last name (laughs) i don't know if anybody hasn't heard that story in college they called him dubs and that's why so if you listen to a lot of like content providers they'll probably say dubs because the his like college announcers and stuff called him dubs and he was like too nice to uh tell them that it's actually Dobbs now everybody knows it now and so they they say it correctly but I I, it's another one I feel like we've kind of jumped jumped the shark a little bit here um I think it's okay I'm looking at his ADP is is 127 I have not drafted him in best ball mania three I took him a couple times on DraftKings very little so I have Mm -hmm. almost zero Romeo Dobbs I, uh, it's one of those where I admit that honestly, if I had it to do over again, of course he would be a guy I would have mixed in more in the late rounds. But my general stance was this is a rookie on the green Bay Packers. Rogers has not only has Rogers like confirmed like all of our (laughs) possible issues with Romeo Dobbs. He's also went out and said, if it were up to me, it would be Lazard and Watkins and um, Cobb that are playing. Right. And there's, there's just only so much to go around in, in,
Green Bay, and we have a lot of issues with with the Aaron Rodgers thing, and, and we know he's the wide receiver four, like going into season. Now you're drafting the Green Bay wide receiver four, like we're drafting the Green Bay wide receiver four. It was a fourth round pick ahead of the tenth overall pick in the NFL draft. Who's the wide Who's the wide receiver three? Maybe wide receiver two on mm-hmm. on his offense. We're drafting him in front of you know multiple first round picks, and so it's just. It's just kind of that issue where if I had been drafting him before me, I admit maybe I might say a smidge differently, but I, I just think there's a lot of negatives now kind of at this new, what 10th round price ish where, where he's going and the, the kind of risk and stuff isn't baked in. He has a freaking teammate that, that was drafted two rounds ahead of him that only because he was injured is, you know, getting plummeted down the board and who's to say Christian Watson isn't the fourth wide receiver on this team, even though Dobbs does look promising. And so um, I'm pretty much out on him. Well, all those things you said about Rogers is stuff that he said, but then yesterday or the day before, I can't remember the exact day he came out and said that uh, Romeo is going to have to come out and play at a different level than other wide receivers that were rookies because he's shown it and his trajectory mm-hmm. is going to be different than than rookies that you've seen in the past and the the two things that stood out to me in that in that you know and this is like waffling back and forth from rogers where he says he wants you know all these guys that are built in the dust bowl to play and then you have romeo dubs that he's like um well now i kind of think he's going to be the one to produce what caught my attention about it though is he didn't bring up Christian Watson in that sentence. Yeah. Well, he hasn't he d- played. True. So he doesn't, he, true. He doesn't know. But but he doesn't know. But it's like now we know how Aaron Rodgers is with that like rapport situation. Christian Watson hasn't been able to build that with him. And it sounds like Rodgers is ready to go to battle with Romeo Dubs now. So I'm not saying he's gonna be the wide receiver one in Green Bay. I do think he's getting ticked up just a little bit too far to draft so my exposure right now and best ball mania for him is six percent so i'm a little underweight on him but my average adp is 178 and his current adp is 127 so i was grabbing him 18th round 17th round a lot earlier i'm probably mostly out on him right now but what i will say is if i do uh, I think I have 28 best ball mania teams left. Maybe if I decide to do a Rogers um, stack, I won't look past him just because his ADP moved up, but I'm only, I'm literally only looking at him. He's not going to be a one-off for me. He's either going to be part of a green Bay stack or a bring back from Minnesota. And that's probably it. So I would say I'm no, because I think like in order to get aboard the hype train, you need to be able to be comfortable taking that player as one of your one-offs, right? Yep. And I think that's another thing. Um, talked about this a little bit on one of the recent shows where it's like, I don't think he's at an ADP that he's undraftable in terms of the rise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, we'll, we'll he, he's probably maybe getting a little bit close, but I'm not sure he keeps going up anymore. I think he, I think you can still take him, right? I would just be smart about how I did it. Like you mentioned, and um, I, I just generally think the most likely outcome is that there's other guys that, you know, have cleaner paths to upside seasons kind of around his cost as as is his cost is now. I, I like I said, I wish I probably had been drafting him um, a little bit, a little bit more. The one thing I would say is 
people are really trying hard. This this thing has come out a little bit. There was the one right that he that he uh, had lunch with him or whatever. He's he's it's, it was apparently not true. Roe is in the in the discord that was basically saying this was bullshit a lot of players rogers i guess sits by himself at lunch and kind of like waits to see who comes and sits with him to talk one-on-one with people which is also is like we should take a step back and be like aaron Rodgers is full of shit the dude eats clay and like i was gonna ask you what do you what do you think an aaron Rodgers lunch (laughs) consists of are they eating mushrooms or something while they're sitting there? Like, I mean, like you said, talk about Aaron Rodgers waffling. Like Rodgers probably doesn't remember half the shit he's saying because he's all, you know, jacked up on God knows what. And so anyway, I just think, you know, if I'm weighing kind of all the factors where he where he costs right now, uh, there's some other guys I would rather take. But I, I, I don't really he, I probably have the least strong take, honestly, um, on him out of out of all these guys, because I do see like there's paths. Tim kind of like being a, a big time breakout rookie. And I, and I, those are the kinds of guys I like. My name is Aaron Rodgers, and I only eat the bark of trees that I remove <laughs> with my own hands. That's what I assume happens with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so it sounds like we are going to the Baja no category. Yeah. I'm, I'm in there. Yeah. Um, so this comment says there was a positive soundbite where Rodgers said he told Watson to do something off script in the huddle. Oops. And Watson did it perfectly. Take it with a shaker of salt. So that is like, okay, he did something good once in practice. Again, he hasn't, you know, it's great that he did that, but we're just, we read too much into these things sometimes, it feels like. It goes back to that. I've seen every Jaguars snap that there ever has been. (laughs) All right, here's a fun one based on some of your priors before the season began. I want to see where you are now. Kenneth Gainwell. Yep. Um, it is funny because I was really high on Miles Sanders when he was super cheap and then mm-hmm. he rose up um, and and there was that little funny period of Miles Sanders where what he didn't get the first snap with the ones or whatever and we did the, like you said, we did the panic freak out thing and then the coach even comes out the next day and is like trolling everybody like, see, he's the starter. You know, he got the the first snap. He's like, see, he's with the ones or whatever. And, but, I, but I've been on Gainwell too. It's just an offense and, and backfield specifically that I'm really trying to be on. It's the best offensive line in the league with an elite running quarterback um, probably a little bit run heavy team. I've been on these guys. I have slightly backed off of Gainwell a little bit. Um, sorry, I forgot to look up my. Uh, and I'm doing. I think you said you're doing BBM. I'm doing BBM too. So you can see how heavy I am on the Eagles. I have 23. percent um, I've done 95 teams so far in BBM. I have 23 percent Gainwell, and I have 19 percent Sanders. So it was one of those where I was smashing Sanders early on when he was going like pick 100 and something. Yeah, rose up. He rose up and Gainwell was really cheap. And then I was just smashing Gainwell on all these zero RB teams. And now Gainwell's risen and St. Sanders is falling. So now it's probably going to flip, flip back again. But I'm like kind of in on, on Gainwell. But I think people are also like not really uh, super interested in hearing the concerns around Gainwell. Like I'm not. We're just. We're judging. Yeah. And I, I get it. I get it. But, but people are judging Travis Kelsey for not playing every snap or judging right. Uh, Rojo rightfully. So judging Rojo for playing with the, the fourth string or whatever offense. And then uh, Boston Scott was playing over Kenneth Gainwell in the last preseason, but it's like, I don't care about that. He's Kenny Gainwell. I'm excited for him. And so um, I'm, you know, I'm, here's a cop out answer. He would definitely be somewhere in, in the middle for me. 
if we were at, you know, doing this, how we were going to do it before, but I, I'll say I'm still absolutely in on Kenny Gainwell. Um, I want to be genuine and say, I'm, I'm still going to draft him. So he would definitely go all aboard the hype train. I, did you get to watch the big dog draft yet that I did with overs at, I know it was on uh, Friday night. No, no, not yet. Um, there was a side bet made in this draft for a okay. hundred dollars between Peter Overzet and myself. And I took Kenny Gain- Gainwell straight up versus Miles Sanders half point oh, GPR for a hundred bucks that he's going to outscore Miles okay, Sanders a, this year. That's a little fucking aggressive. And so I am all aboard the hype train, baby. We are going nuts on Kenneth Gainwell. Although I can't draft him anymore because he gets sniped every time. Yeah, I go people to love, up people love him. Yeah, he of all the players that I've noticed get sniped is Gainwell is getting taken like aggressively. So right now I have a 13% exposure to him um, with a 145 ADP. His current ADP is 129 and that's just going up. I'm yeah. still going to grab him when I can because he's still in like that that next pocket of running backs that yep. I'm comfortable of taking him in. But you have to be slightly aggressive to get him now. You're not going to get him at ADP. He is going before. So you have to be like cognizant of that fact. But for the moment, I'm still all aboard the hype train. I want to get that number up. Um, Terrence says a running back named Gainwell. It's in the name. Exactly. Sanders, quicksand, can't move. Like, how do I lose this bet? <laughs> He's the yeah. same last name as Barry fucking Sanders, I think. I mean, who right. led the league in getting caught from behind on long, long runs. <laughs> oh, for so. fuck's sake. We're really spinning this hard. <laughs> if we're knocking Barry Sanders, that's that we've. I think we need to move on to the next guy. <laughs> All right. This one is quite interesting. <laughs> I actually had a um, pick pop up in one of my slow drafts right before we went on, and I wanted to bring this up. We're going to talk about George Pickens, who we kind of made the cover boy of this. And I had a choice for my fifth wide receiver and sitting next to each other was Chase Claypool and George Pickens. And I chose Chase Claypool because you people are psychopaths. (laughs) Look, George Pickens looks good. He's playing for the Steelers who are great on, you know, selecting wide receivers. They are the quintessential opposite of the Patriots who just can't do it to save their lives. If you get drafted by the Steelers, you're going to be a hall of fame wide receiver basically. (laughs) Um, But I'm going back to the Houston Texans. I'm still a bit concerned about this Pittsburgh offense. So this rocket ship of Pickens, when I've already gotten him at a decent amount late, it's just, I'm ready to just put up the stop sign on him and, not take him anymore so i have him at eight percent right now at a at a 144 adp that's right? so funny i i have eight percent at a 156.8 adp so we're in basically you know very very similar buckets mm-hmm. um both exposure wise and in the same adp range and i'm never going to take him again the this this hype train is both one where i mean i've been ta- i was taking him obviously so i like this player I, I I loved him in college. I I have zero, you know, he's got that dog in him, all that bullshit that everybody wants to use. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a negative thing to say about George Pickens. Like as a football player, I'm excited for him, whatever. You want to use the, the Leone bit. We have jumped the fucking shark on this third wide receiver for a Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett led offense behind the worst offensive line in the league. Like, yeah. 
what have the Steelers shown us to say that uh, first round running back, uh, like fourth round wide receiver, a rookie who has been buzzed up to the ninth round, and then Chase Claypool goes in the tenth round, right around Pickens, a tight end who goes in the and like same thing. These they've done well drafting these individual talents, and I don't believe in the. Um, you know, you can't draft it, you know, like last year the Steelers were one example, like, Oh, well, why is big Ben so cheap? If all these guys, you know, um, are so expensive. However, Pickens is the one that got steamed up to, to all of these guys while no one else has really fallen. And so I, I just, I just cannot do it on this. There is no path to this offense being awesome at best. At absolute best, Mitch and Pickett could make them average, maybe at maybe average, yeah, yeah. because the offensive line is not. It's there's no path. To, Brandon Thorne has them as his, you know, who's like basically the offensive line guru around our our world, has them thirty second last in the NFL. So you don't make a jump from thirty second to like the top ten, and so the quarterback play isn't making a jump from. <laughs> 31st or whatever to to the top 10 and so if you have a bad line and bad quarterback play i just don't see how we can pay the kind of tax on george pickens and so if you were taking him before or even you were taking him as he was getting steamed i think it was okay i just can't i'm not i'm not paying the tax on this dude on this on this offense when there's we talked about i mean garrett wilson goes what two rounds after him or something like what are we like what what's the diff why why is garrett wilson going two rounds after him john dotson going two rounds after him on probably better offenses than the steelers and to all those points you made, it sounds like we're trying to like our prayers are that the Pittsburgh Steelers can be the Jaguars of the Blake Bortles years where yeah. they would just get absolutely, you know, stomped and then Bortles would do whatever he did for the end of the third into the fourth quarter and get 20 fantasy points, score two touchdowns and still lose by three, three scores. <laughs> right so and i get suckered into playing in like playoff dfs slates i get suckered into playing bortles like please don't let the steelers make the playoffs so i'm not playing some goddamn mitch trubisky you know uh, uh george pickens stack for you know a used kia on DraftKings in uh, a few months <laughs> i would say there is no chance that the steelers make the playoffs i don't think year. so either That's i bet their team total under so that tells you about it fits the, what i was just kind of talking about like i think the market thinks the steelers are much better than i do yeah, and I agree. So we're pretty much in step on this. I mean, we had the same exposure for uh, for yeah. all things. Said. And the, but that's but that's the, uh, we're we're kind of like shitting on a player, but it's only because of what the market has done to him. Neither yeah, of us said a negative thing. Yeah, neither of us said a negative thing about George Pickens. I'm excited for George Pickens. We were drafting him. We we're at eight percent, and we still you know so we're technically been matching the field the whole way, um, except the last what month or something. Take it back, Terrence. Do not. Smirched the name of Jalen Hurts in our chat today. I have too much <laughs> money invested in the Eagles this year. Yeah, right. Yep. <laughs> All right. KJ Hamler. Um, what is your what is your take on KJ Hamler? Because it's I feel like he could be polarizing. He's very polarizing. He he has to be. So I want to preface it that he has to be on the all aboard the hype train for me because I'm I'm kind of putting it on like, am I drafting, still drafting this guy or, or not drafting this guy? In general, most of these guys, I'm like not going out of my way to still target, but I'm still drafting him. So he's definitely in the top row for me. But I, I do think, you know, the Tim Patrick thing is obviously what has really helped him. But 
we're all, you know, we're, we're, it's the shit on Albert O, you know, it's where we've, we've buried Albert O now when it, it's kind of interesting that we're going to plummet Albert O and move KJ Hamler up when like <laughs> KJ Hamler still hasn't played. I guess he's, he might play in this last preseason game off mm-hmm. of a devastating injury. And yeah. I like KJ Hamler just as much as every, you know, person who loves good prospects and all that. We don't have to talk about that, but I mean, I played him in DFS when he dropped that long touchdown this year. And I, you know, uh, so he still, he owes me a bunch of money, but we should write him. Yeah, we should. Yeah. I'm sure he'll, he'll love that. Uh, he he is this guy who's never done anything at the NFL level, never earned targets, never really earned snaps. Never, he's never done anything. He had one good game that, that took Justin Herzig to the finals, uh, where he caught two passes, you know, in Best Ball Mania one. And it's like he's this mythical creature that we're like treating like he's you know some star. And I understand like the hype and the upside. But it's, he's also off a devastating injury, and what they drafted Greg Dolchich. They have Albert O, who was you know similar draft capital to KJ Hamler. Why can't they play multiple tight ends? Why you know why can't they do some different things that don't require KJ Hamler being a huge part of the offense? So um, I'm kind of saying negative things about him just because we are probably going to reach a point where I I don't want to go too crazy on on him. I don't know if we'll get there or not, but. Um, I'm still drafting him because I'm still going to keep drafting Broncos and Chiefs, uh, and that's right. really about it. I have I have 11% KJ Hamler, but it's it's uh, his ADP is 155 and mine's 172, so it's kind of like you know uh, it's, it's not the same thing as Pickens, but if we keep elevating too much, I'll just kind of cycle through new guys. So I have seven percent, and I got him at 162 for my average. So I'm still grabbing him. Like he's like. First, he gets lost in the sauce for me, is what I would say. Like, I just, he's a guy that I overlook a lot unless I'm actually looking for him. If I miss out on, you know, Sutton, Judy, Alberto, and I have a, and I have a chief stack going, which Mm -hmm. is happening obviously a lot for me, that I'm like, I have to pull up Broncos and star them and figure out what I want to do. But if I already have my, my Bronco lined up and, I'm good to go with it. I don't even see the name. Like there's some <laughs> players that you just don't see the name of. So yeah. for whatever reason, KJ Hamler is that guy for me. Uh, I'm not, so I'm not completely out on him. This is the ultimate middle for me. Like if we were going to middle anything, it would be this, but True. I think where he's at 155, it's fine. To I even think it's fine to one off him still. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would all aboard the hype train, but Again, it's sort of like Brandon Ayuk, where it's he gets a little bit higher into a certain level of wide receivers. Like if he starts touching, I guess that like next tier up, which I'm trying to think is probably what the Jarvis Landry, yeah, Landry Dotson. I'm probably not going to take him. I guess I would still probably just prefer Landry, which feels gross. Um, but I would definitely prefer Dotson over him. So I guess yeah. we can we can hype train him for now. And uh, one one quick thing I was going to follow up to David's comments here. I, I've seen a lot of this uh, talk about Russell Wilson and, and tight ends. Yeah, and I, this is a bit of a myth. Uh, He's probably not going to make it in the NFL. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't uh, I, uh, I I think we do a thing where we say. Uh, we compare players that are not comparable players and a Russell Wilson has never really had good tight ends. Tell me the, t- tell me the good tight end that he had, had that Russell Wilson has had that, that had, has earned that 
the <laughs> bones targets. of Jimmy Graham. Yeah, and who was dust, obviously. Um, we saw that Jimmy Graham was dust. But Greg Olson, so in Greg Olson's last season, when, when you want to talk about dust, that dude could barely move before he got hurt. Yeah. Grandpa Greg Olson, 35 years old. Olson, Will Disley, and Colby Parkinson earned 107 targets, I think it was. I looked it up earlier today. The, the combination of those three guys earned more than 100 targets in a low passing volume offense. Will Disley was, if you played DFS, it was three or four years ago, maybe, was like the biggest thorn in the side of everybody trying to fade the, you know, trying to do the, oh, he can't, you know, do anything in a Russ Wilson offense or whatever. He's dropping 20 fantasy points every week, catching touchdowns. It's a, it's just a little bit of a, of a, of a myth from the, the tight end thing. And not, not because he has, like I'm saying, he has consistently thrown to tight ends, but comparing Will Disley to potentially actually good tight ends, I don't think I want to, say like if alberto and maybe he can't if alberto or greg dolchich can earn targets and they're good football players russell wilson is going to get them the football like you know drew Brees could get jimmy graham the football i, I don't think i don't think russell wilson's going to have a problem getting the ball to good football players if they're open i have fond memories of stacking russell wilson with like either greg olson or jimmy graham and then him always throwing it to luke wilson for a touchdown wilson, on those yeah. on those days and then just <laughs> Throwing everything that I own out the window. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Russell Wilson. Short ass. <laughs> uh, did I give my exposure on him? I think I, on KJ Hamler, I was at 7%. So. Just in case yeah. I didn't. All right. We're simil similar there too. Khalil Herbert. Um, I'm still in, is what I will say. I still like Khalil Herbert. I think you can still get him at a good value. Now, when I say I'm still in, I'm as in on a Chicago Bears player as I can be with Khalil Herbert. It's it's a lot of runbacks on Detroit players for me when I'm getting, you know, Amonra or Hawkinson Smith, occasionally. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm trying to set up a late one with Chark and Khalil Herbert, but I'm not going nutso on Khalil Herbert because we're talking bad offensive line, bad everything, right? Like, RIP Justin Fields. I'm sorry what this team has done to you. We will go to the police station together and, and file this report because God, I'm sick of talking about the bears and I was in on them in February and I'm just so sad about what happened with them. Um, I thought they were getting Calvin Ridley. I thought that this offense was going to be wheels up and then I would love Khalil Herbert for now. I'm all aboard the hype train because he's still, I think he still makes sense. But uh, I'm not I'm not going out of my complete way to get him. He's a he's a this has been the case. Um, kind of like we talked about with Gainwell a little bit, like we talked about with maybe some of these wide receivers. Uh, Hamler being an example where you know I I build a lot of zero running back teams. I build a lot of early wide receiver type teams, and I live in this you know tenth ninth through fourteenth round running back mm -hmm. or or whatever. Right. That's why my Gainwell exposure is so high because I need guys like him on a lot of the builds and that the ways that I, that I like to draft. And so Herbert was a lot like that for me early on. Same as you. You know, we we've kind of joked about some of the shitty offense and stuff. I'm not excited about the Bears either. I mean who who could be? Um I'm I'm probably willing to draft them a little bit more than you are, but I'm not I'm not excited. Um I think Herbert got kind of steamed up as as a you know um he he's just that that typical kind of contingency backup and like other guys were just like dropping like flies in that tier of running backs right rojo died and you know different guys are falling out of that 
out of that tier. And mm. so um, he, he kind of got artificially steamed up a little bit. And I do think there's fair, it's fair to have a little bit of concern with um, like Tristan Ebner, Darren, <laughs> shout out Darrington Evans. If he makes, if he makes the team, not because Herbert's not going to be the direct backup to David Montgomery, but Herbert was really valuable last year because he was the direct backup to Montgomery and was like an every down player when Montgomery was out. And if that's not the case, now you have like a, what a 50 to 60% back, maybe early down back on one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And mm-hmm. so he's still fine. He still fits the type of player that I'm kind of looking for there, but I'm not going out of my way. Same as you. I, I have about uh, 9% of, of him at a, at a round to two to two round discount from where we're at right now. Um, but you know, he's just kind of like, whatever. So, so I, I think the build thing's important because I just looked at my Herbert exposure and I think we're building our teams roughly the same way quite a bit. Um, we kind of have the same approach to building teams and I'm at mm-hmm. 14% on Herbert with the same round exposure. So it's a little higher than I thought, to be honest with you. I was yep. a little shocked when I pulled it up. I mean, <laughs> I can't remember every single player exposure that I have. So that's one of them. <laughs> so where do we want to put him? Do we want to keep him? On the hype train, or do we want to? Yeah, hype train's fine. All right. Let's talk about Christian Kirk. And why don't you go ahead and take this one first? Um, <laughs> I was kind of excited for, for Christian Kirk, mostly only basically only because you're uh, you're so so high on him. And you've actually kind of you and some other people have, have gotten me to come around. I wasn't drafting him early on a little partly because again of kind of some structural things and kind of some guys that went around there i mean we talked about iuk right kirk mm-hmm. has kind of lived in that range all year and there was iuk there and lance was there and russell wilson was there and and that kind of stuff where i was just getting other guys he was kind of uh just uh happenstance fade i've come around on that quite a, quite a bit so i'm into it but does it, it it felt so much when he he got what eight targets on a very very limited amount of snaps, which another guy we're going to talk about was uh, similar. But it, it felt so much. You remember Corey Davis last last uh, uh, preseason? The same shit happened to him. Corey Davis oh, had like a fi- had like a fifty percent targets per route run in the preseason. He smashed. He went from like the eleventh uh, or twelfth round up to like the seventh round. All because of, you know, he got eight targets on 16 routes, you know, from Zach Wilson. And we're like steaming up this like average wide receiver on a shitty offense. And that was what it felt. That's what Christian Kirk (laughs) felt like to me. Uh, But I I will admit I am a little more. I think Trevor Lawrence is very clearly a more promising quarterback to be attached to. I think Christian Kirk um, is is a guy definitely that I'm I'm happy that I I would put him in the top in the top row. But it just felt so much like the Corey Davis thing. What I would say in response to that is I think the Jags know they want him to be their guy and they are proving it and they are trying to get that connection established as much as they can in the preseason because they just Uh want this to carry over. The Corey Davis stuff, maybe not so much when you had Elijah Moore there. Um, You had Zach Wilson trying to – like it's a little different to me in that aspect. And as far as builds go – when I was getting Christian Kirk as my fifth or sixth sometimes wide receiver, that's that was perfect because now I'm getting a guy because I don't expect Christian Kirk to be in my lineup every week, right? He's just right. not that type of player. But when he's my fifth or sixth wide receiver, and I know that he is going to be the quintessential spike week type of guy where he's going to have games where he goes for 140 yards and two touchdowns, right? Like that's just who this guy is going to be there. 
Um, I'm hoping it's more frequent than it has been when he was in Arizona. Like I'm hoping he gets the chance, the opportunity to do it a little bit more, but he is the number one wide receiver on a team that I think is improving specifically in the passing game. Most likely they're going to take a step forward here or there might just be one step, might be two steps and they're still going to be playing from behind in theory, most of the time. So I think game script, everything lines up for Christian Kirk to be that perfect still four or five fifth wide receiver on your team because you're getting them seventh, eighth round now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm still smashing them. What, what was your exposure on him? Seven percent ADP of ninety-four. I am at forty percent at an ADP of eighty. Jesus, Jesus but, Christ! But I'm fine with it. I like yep. it. like he's one of my like three it. guys that I'm that I took a may, massive stand on. So for me, I think he's hype train. Obviously, like I mean, when I have a guy at forty percent, how can I say that I'm not hype training yeah. this guy? Right? Yeah. No, I'm I'm good with it though. All right, Isaiah likely. I'm already out. I'm already out on Isaiah likely because he's already getting steamed up too much. Had a great, had a great preseason game. Um, I do think that there is some looks for him in this offense this coming season. I think we have to remember who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the Baltimore Ravens. We're dealing with Lamar Jackson. When Andrews was going absolutely nuclear last year, a lot of that was with Huntley. Uh, it's not, it's not the standard Lamar Jackson offense that, that brought Mark Andrews along. Now, I don't hate Andrews. I'm not drafting him a ton this year because I think he's just a little overpriced. I think in the future, likely might have some some viability there. But when you're going to start hyping this guy up into like the 16th, 15th, 17th round, he's like, he's not really locked down on where he's going yet. Uh, I see it just kind of spraying all over everywhere, especially in the Pomeranian and stuff like that. Like he could have went, he might have went in the 14th in one of my Pomeranians. And I think we're just getting a little, little too, uh, too excited about Isaiah likely based on one preseason game on an offense that honestly isn't going to throw the ball that much. The dogs got very excited for the Isaiah likely conversation. They're over here wrestling. And that's because they, they know that I'm, I'm so fucking pissed about this Isaiah. Like it was one of those things where you'd think that, hey, yeah, we're. I'm trying to talk about Isaiah Likely. Zip it. Uh, at, like you would think, like oh, like actually in the past, before the market got so goddamn crazy over these preseason games, you would think like that. You know, I got something right because he's one of my guys. For it's only been the last maybe three weeks or something like that. Kind of since camp. Camp started, right? Yep. And we have this. We have this situation where Bateman and Andrews are the guys in a run-heavy offense, but they're still juice to be squeezed out of somebody else and i mean these were 18th round picks or, or on DraftKings 20th round picks right him yep. duvernay um prochet etc so you have this situation where i was kind of looking for i was drafting some james prochet some people were drafting duvernay i was kind of looking for something and i really liked likely as a as a player like i've talked in the past i played college football dfs coastal carolina was an amazingly fun team to play in, in college football dfs and he was awesome um mm -hmm. And so it, it just like all came to fruition where I was like, holy shit, they want to play a bunch of tight ends. Like, why does it have to be, you know, Duvernay? Like we're treating it like they're a normal offense. Kind of like what you said, Lamar Jackson run heavy Ravens, but we're treating it like we got to find this other wide receiver. 
they probably just want to play fullbacks and tight ends and running backs and, and all that kind of stuff. And who fit that kind of as this younger kind of athlete like Mark Andrews was, was Isaiah likely. And I was like, I think he's going to play based on all the camp reports as like almost like the third option in the passing game. Now, what does that mean? Like pure value? Not a lot. You know, it's nothing special. Mm -hmm. He'll maybe score a couple touchdowns or something, you know, have a couple of games that you use him in. Um, But he also had like, what 18th round tight end do you get that like, if something happens to Mark Andrews, like even I know you've drafted like some Noah Gray, there's, you know, uh, what's a Jody Fortson or whatever it was. Fortson now too. Yeah. But like, we don't know really who it is. I think we kind of know with likely that he would be the receiving preference if something were to happen to Andrews. Um, And so it was just this perfect storm of like, I'm going to get overweight on this guy. Uh, I wasn't going to go crazy, but like I, I got to 8% in, BB, in BBM and then he has that game <laughs> and I'm I'm like, you motherfucker, you couldn't wait like another week or just like wait one more week. And so I can get, you know, into double digit exposure. And now he's just the guy that's like, like you said, I don't even know how to plan for if I want to take him. Because right. some, some drafts he goes in like the 14th fucking round. And yeah. I'm like, this is out right. of control. I'm like, this is absolutely out of control. And so he is the dude who I'm really excited for, but I don't know that I'll be able to draft him anymore unless I happen to get in a room where maybe he is there in the 17th and I need a late round tight end or something. You know, I'm okay, but he just has to be in the bottom, the bottom row for me, even though I'm really excited for him just because of how it has played out. What so this is a little slightly off topic, but what's his ownership gonna be week one in these DK and FanDuel tournaments? Since he's gonna be min priced, right? He's gotta be min priced on those sites. Oh, so yeah. oh yeah. So people are just gonna be locking him in as their as their tight end. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little silly. Um yes. I missed I missed the boat in BBM on him. I have him in other tournaments, but I'm at zero percent. He was when I was going to start drafting him and when I did start drafting him on DK and some of the, the lower tournaments, he, he was still 18th, 20th round. Um, I took a little break on BBM because I wanted to hold some teams back for, you know, the, the late surge. Cause yep. I got like, I got like 28 left now, I think, or somewhere around that. And uh, unfortunately I missed. And now if he's going to go above the 18th round, I can't do it. I just, I yep. can't do it. So I have to be no, but it doesn't mean I'm out on him as a player. I'm just out on him as like, I personally missed the boat on this one. I mean, and that happens. That's like one of my favorite kind of lessons, if you will, of best ball is just like, I mean, don't chase your losses, right? It's like anything in gambling. Like you, we missed it. I missed Romeo Dobbs. So yep. I'm not going to keep chasing him up the board. It, it Like the chances people will, people will say this like really disingenuously, um, in arguments sometimes, but in this instance, it's like totally true. Some like the odds that Isaiah likely or Romeo Dobbs are the guy you need to, to advance or win in weeks or in the playoffs or, is so fucking low that it's yeah. like, look, we can't cover every base. We had reasons to draft other guys. When we did, we missed on a guy who maybe we shouldn't have missed on. I definitely missed on Dobbs. I probably missed on Julio, but it's like, so what move on? Like you're, it's not like your teams are dead. There's no guy. Remember Derek Henry probably was going to be the guy you needed last year. He was just shitting on everyone for like eight weeks or whatever. And boom, he gets hurt. And no one ever talks about it anymore because he wasn't the guy that you needed. Cause he was, you know, he killed your teams actually from getting hurt. So it's like, it's okay. Move on. And, and we'll all be all right. 
And if you and if like it hurts your soul enough that you like are so upset that you missed out on a guy like Isaiah Likely, wait until the next Pomeranian pops up. Draft him at ADP there because yep. you're not you're not losing any value there. So like if Eric didn't if Eric's like sitting there like I can't believe I missed out on Julio Jones, he can hop in the Pomeranian, draft like three, four shares of Julio, and know that he's not getting killed on value in that, right? So Yep. There's still ways to play these guys if you really want them on a team. I mean, I'm fine with not having Likely at this point on anything but what I have them on. Let's go into Isaiah. There's so many Isaiahs and Elijahs <laughs> in this. It's just so many. Like That is just the NFL name now. Um, let's go into Isaiah McKenzie for the Buffalo Bills. And to me, I think he's won this slot job just based on everything that we're seeing and hearing and stuff. I'm wondering if Crowder even makes the team at this point. I know because Shakir's there. Right. So it's almost like what does Jamison Crowder do for this <laughs> do team? Do for this team. <laughs> right? If you're the if you're the front office. He's not doing much. So I, I, I just think McKenzie has the job and we know that in the past a slot wide receiver in this offense absolutely eats. Right. So I, I love Gabe Davis. I, I mean, I just love the bills as a whole. Basically, I want any of the bills. So I'm in on Isaiah McKenzie because I'm in on the bills like hard. Yep. He he's he's not. I don't think he's going high enough. Probably 142.5 ADP is the starting slot. I, I, I agree with you. Maybe some people will disagree. I think he has won the slot job. I think he is an explosive player. Maybe he's not the world's best wide receiver. I know he's not. I know he's not the typical. You know, he doesn't fit the mold for like anybody. He he hasn't. You know, he's not the boomer. Crowder is. Crowder was the boomer. Um, you know, he's been a target earner on a shitty team. Super boring fantasy football guy, right? Was Jamison mm-hmm. Crowder. So the boomer. You know, the FFPC boomers that like to draft AJ Green and shit would like Jamison Crowder. And then like the prospect bros and the zero RB bros don't like Jamison Crowder either because he really wasn't a very good prospect. He hasn't done really shit in his NFL career besides a couple of good games. But like, I also like to lean on like when this team like the Bills shows us their hand and they did this with they did it with gabe this year and they've done it with isaiah mckenzie like uh, let's just let's just trust the bills and this explosive athlete like maybe he's just gotten better you know i don't know but the market is saying like i don't give it like i don't really give a shit about this guy i know he's obviously risen quite a bit i have 26 percent isaiah mckenzie at an average adp of 161 in uh in in bbm i was i was taking i was taking a big stand on that and so i'm uh I, I feel the same way about the Bills as you. Obviously, Gabe Davis is my highest owned player. Isaiah McKenzie's one of my highest owned players. I have mm-hmm. a ton of get. I have a ton of digs. I don't take a lot of Dawson Knox, but I, I draft all the running backs. I'm even drafting Zach Moss right now. So I'm very much all aboard Isaiah McKenzie. So I'm all aboard him too. I'm not as high as you. I'm jealous of the exposure, to be completely <laughs> honest. I'm only at seven percent, but it's because I usually already have a bill or two by the time he comes up on on yeah. the board for me. So like I already have digs, or I already have. Gabe or I already have Singletary I need to start getting a little more cook I think that's the guy that maybe I need a little bit more of but yeah other other than that like I love Isaiah McKenzie he's still like you said in a spot that I don't mind drafting him I'm seven percent with a ADP of 168 at the moment which is still really good but I, I don't mind wrecking that you know ADP difference too much by grabbing him where he is now because 
if I if I get locked out of Bills and I'm like, oh, I can scoop Isaiah McKenzie for my bring back for Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or whoever, because I want at least some sort of stack of that game constantly, then I'm more than fine with grabbing Isaiah McKenzie. So everything that we said, he's he's a hype train for me, um, without question. He also flashed uh um there's, I believe in it, and we've probably talked about this before too. It's how I feel about Gabe. Um, it's kind of this combination of things. It's the Bills, who doesn't mm-hmm. want to have guys on the Bills. Right. And then um, the Bills have showed us their hand with these guys, uh, McKenzie and Gabe in, in, in particular. And then like I believe in kind of this, when you show us a skill, it's I believe it's Rich Rebar that has mentioned this, and it has always stuck with me. Uh, Rich says um, like a million smart things, but this is one of his, um, that's one of my favorites. It's like when you show a skill, you you own you own that skill, right? It's like mm-hmm. you run a four two forty, you're a fucking fast motherfucker. Right. Like it's like no one can take that from you. And when Gabe did that in that playoff game, and then the team committed to him, and then McKenzie really came on last year down the stretch. He had the one game against the Patriots where he made a really good defense look absolutely foolish for an entire game when Cole Beasley was out, and then earned this kind of gadget role. Actually started stealing snaps from Cole Beasley, and then they commit to him. Right. They signed Jamison Crowder, but they were like, nope, McKenzie's better. Like immediately. It was yeah. right away. They were yep. they they showed us their hand on on McKenzie. And when you get this combination of things, it's like I just I'm 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 buying. Um, just a little side quest real quick. Since we're talking about how much like we love the bills, just a cur- curiosity question. Do you ever build teams that you feel really, really good about? Like you're building a team and you're done with it and you're looking at it, you're like yes, this team, I did everything I wanted to do with this team structurally. And then you look and you're like, oh shit, I don't have any bills or, oh shit, I don't have any chiefs. And then like you go, you're like that dopamine hit just instantly drops off because you're like, fuck, now this isn't as good of a team as I thought it was. Uh, This happens to me all the time because I want chiefs and bills are probably Mm -hmm. my two um biggest priorities it used to be broncos but as weird as it is with the tight end bullshit going on i'm not like quite prioritizing alberto and dolchich as much and removing tim patrick like has kind of made things awkward with the broncos there's just less options um Mm -hmm. there's no there's no real back i guess hamler's the backstop and we talked about him already and so it is kind of the bills and the chiefs where i'm just like i really would love to have at least one one of both these offenses on on uh on every team and Sometimes I'll run into like, oh shit, I took Diggs and then I took Gabe and then I took McKenzie and I don't have I don't have Josh Allen and that was a mistake. Uh, maybe it was a mistake, I don't know. But um, it it it's something I think about probably maybe more than I should. But those two offenses in particular, I just think we're gonna get to week seventeen not because of they're gonna score a lot of points in week seventeen, but we're gonna get to the end of the year. We're gonna look back and be like, yeah dumbass you should have taken like there's all these like affordable guys on the two best offenses in the yep. nfl like just draft them yeah speaking of which isaiah pacheco pacheco oh, is the way he pronounces it new england we pronounce it pacheco um you want a conundrum this guy is the ultimate conundrum because this backfield is the ultimate conundrum right i was grabbing him right when the hype started so you were getting him 18th 17th round this guy is all over the board right now. Like it, it is unbelievable. And I don't even know a player that we can compare him to that has ever come from 
nothing. I didn't know who he was three weeks ago. If we're going to be completely honest, I had no idea who this guy was. And well, it's now... Darwin. It's Darwin, right? It's got to be Darwin. Thompson. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that is a good which comparison. Is really, which is really, which is really funny with the Chiefs thing. Right. And so, like, you have this guy that like no one even knows. We're already struggling with the Chiefs' backfield. We're already like, is it Rojo? Is it McKinnon? Like, what is going on in the Chiefs' backfield? And then you have to just go ahead and add another layer to this backfield. And I'm just like, man, I think I'm just going to stick with the passing game here. Like, I'm grabbing Pacheco in some of the Pomeranian things here and there, especially if I get locked out of some of the pass catchers, because I don't really love taking McCall Hardman too much. I mean, I have when I have to. It's like a have to play for me. Uh, but as far as Pacheco goes, I don't think I'll take him in best ball mania again. I don't want to like say for sure. Maybe something arises that changes that opinion. But for now, I don't know, man. Like you'll be sitting there and you'll occasionally be in like the 10th, 11th round and you'll see Isaiah Pacheco go off the board and you're like, what <laughs> round are we in? What's yes. happening right now? Yes. What? He's the, he he's the, he's a, uh, the expensive. Yeah. I, you know, I like to say guys are like, you know, uh, like Visca is like the Kmart version of Debo, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what I use. The K- Kmart is my reference, but he's like in terms of talent, he's the Kmart version of Isaiah Likely in terms of this this steam. But yet he goes eight, like seven or eight rounds uh, ahead of him. I can't make heads or tails of this thing. When he first started rising, I actually talked um, a little bit to to Pat Green because I listened to I don't remember if it was a Roto World show or Ship Chasing or something, and he was kind of shitting on. Pacheco as a prospect, which I understand his prospect profile looks terrible. He, he looks like a freak athlete that was a horrible, yeah. that was really bad at football. But I was again, cause I do watch a lot of college and stuff like that. I'm not some expert, but um, Rutgers, his situation at Rutgers was like the, the worst power five situation you've like ever seen. It, it was, it was that bad. I mean, it was like a high school offense trying to play in the big 10. They, <laughs> they, they were that bad. Like the worst offensive line in power five. I mean, they had one of the worst offenses in in division one and they were a power five school. They were, they were, they would, when they would play, you know, they, everybody gets like two cupcakes or something like that. They'd score like 35, you know, on, on the Missouri Baptist or something, but then they, but, but then they would go play Michigan and they would lose 65 to nothing and get like 80 yards of offense. And so it was one of those where like, you can, I'm not saying that means he's good, but I'm saying that means we should maybe give him a chance when the Chiefs are saying, maybe there's something here with this guy. And so at first, I was like, I, I have I have three percent Isaiah Pacheco, so that's three teams I think <laughs> in 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 best ball mania, and it's average ADP of 167. So you saw I was kind of buying the middle of the steam basically, yeah. Yeah. but now with an ADP of 140 and climbing, like you said. I just, I mean, what are we do? Like, what are we doing here? Like, we're we're we've reached the point of buying all the, you know. I'm he's not priced at his ceiling for the stupid uh, reference that people like to say because he could he could be the RB one on the Chiefs, which has a very very high high ceiling. But we're paying for, you know, a lot of uh, like a lot of the upside is starting to get sucked out of it, right? Um, because the probability that him being the RB one on the chiefs is, is not very good because they do still have CEH and they do still have Jarek McKinnon. Right. And then the probability of him being the guy um, 
you know, the, the guy you need late in the season, like they could keep Rojo and it just becomes one of these other situations with the chiefs. Like we see every year where like one week it's Daryl, one week it's McKinnon, one week it's LaShawn McCoy, one week it's, you know, Carlos Hyde. And, and, and so there's just a lot of, of risk that I guess it's technically a big hit, big miss player, but it's starting to become a small hit, big miss type of bet. Right. We we have Jimmy in the chat saying, weren't people saying these same things about Rojo when his price was the same? And I would say it's not the same exact comparison because when Rojo was at the height of what people thought he could be with the Chiefs, it was he was the contingent value to CEH. If anything happened to CEH, we all thought Ronald Jones was just going to slide in there kind of and be and a first potential, second down back. Yeah, it could, he could also have been a little bit of the goal line st- Right. Uh, early down runner on the Chiefs, which is like it was the perfect fit for him. We we know Rojo is a good like early down in between the tackles runner. Like mm-hmm. he's good at that. He's not good at anything else. Clearly, right, right. Like that's why he can't make an NFL team or get snaps on an NFL team. But we know a skill that he has, and we were like, holy shit, that's the one thing the Chiefs have never had. It was the right. perfect marriage. Pacheco, we don't even know if he's an NFL football player. He barely got. He's a seventh round seventh round draft pick. It's a very right. different situation. I'm at 5% on him with an average ADP of 176. And I feel pretty comfortable about that, to be perfectly honest. So I'm going to put him in the no category just because, like, who knows what the hell's going on with that ADP. And we are on to Brian (laughs) Robinson, um, who is just coming out. It's like coming out of nowhere, but doesn't feel like he should be coming out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, That backfield is really interesting for multiple reasons like gibson is pretty much you know unless he pulls an undertaker people think that he's absolutely dead they bring back mckissick like with a purpose and they also draft robinson what do you go in the third round round. and gibson was a third round pick and robinson was a third round and robinson's flashing right so i'm i was in on him um i think he's a guy that i'm starting to get blind to like i was talking about earlier i got to see what my um, exposure is. So I'm only at 4%, but an average ADP of 162 when his current is 130. So like, I guess I've inadvertently made that stand that I'm out on him and that he's getting too high. Uh, I didn't think I was in that camp, but you know, the numbers don't lie. And sometimes you're making these, we've talked about this before, taking inadvertent stands that you didn't even know you were taking like mentally and you're just doing it. I think I kind of luck boxed a little bit into Brian Robinson because I wasn't like super on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super on. He's a little bit similar to me to um, the Steelers situation um, as it pertains to now with this rise in ADP where it's like, I think he's fine. I, I agree that he's flashed. I think he probably is going to be the goal line back and kind of split that early down role with Gibson. And then Gibson's going to be this, kind of weird I, what I, what what my new expectation really is is um gibson is kind of gonna be used as like a little bit of a weapon i i think i think they kind of smartly realized he can't just be this goal linebacker and in between the tackles grinder and all of that and and jd mckissick is a really good receiving back and so that made gibson a horrible pick where he you know where he was going most most of the summer but yep. also now, now I think it's going to make Gibson a reasonable pick, in, especially in certain structures. I have started to take him. I had, I had zero Antonio Gibson until like four, three or four days ago, maybe even two days ago. But yeah. Brian, Robbins, Brian Robinson is the guy that's like, okay, 
we're going to reach a point where <laughs> this is an early down grinder on a Wentz, Carson Wentz offense. Mm-hmm. Like, is he really gonna like, what's he really going to do for us? If we keep rising, what is ADPs in the one, almost into the one twenties now. Yeah. And so I have 14% of him, I think through sheer luck, because I'm, because again, of the structural way, cause I wasn't like going out of my way to target him. And I have, it's a late one seventies ADP. So I have like my average ADP value on him is 45, 45 picks. So lucked out pretty well on Brian Robinson, but I, I think kind of the, the jump the shark thing we lost some again rojo and some of these guys have fallen out of that range and then you get the guys that flashed like robinson that just kind of just keep going because there's nobody there's no resistance right at the running back position in that tier anymore for him um pacheco you know gainwells amir white these guys there's no resistance there anymore because uh we're weeding right we're getting that information we're getting new information and we're weeding out all those guys that seemed like good picks in the one thirties and one forties. And now we're like, Oh shit, that, that not only that dude, not a good pick. He might not make the team. Zamir white was on this list and I don't know how his picture got removed, but he was supposed to be one of the guys. He's on pretty here. similar though to Robinson. I think they're right. almost the same thing. Right. Um, I, I think that you're going to see Gibson and Robinson possibly meet each other really soon. Too. I right now, I just to throw it out there since we talked about him, Zamir White. I have 15% at an average ADP of 190, and I'm probably good Ooh. with not drafting him again. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think I, I kind of hit that one way better than me. I have 8% at 173. Yeah. So I, I was hitting him a lot in the 18th round early. So um, I feel real good about the Zamir White. Brian Robinson, like, I think to your point, I'm going to, I would say no right now, but with my asterisk is he's very much a structural build player. Mm-hmm. Like like if I'm structurally building a certain way and he fits that team, yes, I'll still take him, but I'm not going out of my way to be like, oh, Brian Robinson's on board, snagging him, right? So, Yep. He's also, just to put a bow on him, um, I forget who he talked about, uh, Dobbs or something like that, where it's like he hasn't risen so much that you can't take him. Right, like the, like the difference between an eleventh and twelfth round pick and a fifteenth, sixteenth round pick, it doesn't. It really, it really doesn't fucking matter, um, especially with everything that has changed. Um, you know, in the draft pool, you're getting different combinations of players. So, I w- if you really like him, mm-hmm. I would not, I would not like avoid him. And like you said, there are probably going to be structured. Like, I don't want to say I'm never going to draft him the rest of the way because, like you said, the way I build, there might, there might just be teams that he's the best available player. I just think he's going to be a lot more interesting to discuss in a week when him and Gibson are closer to each other. I mean, Gibson is fucking plummeting. He's already, I haven't done a draft in the last three days where he doesn't fall into the hundreds. Right. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's going to, that conversation specifically for him gets interesting in a week from now. Um, Maybe we'll check into it, whatever we do for next Tuesday show. Um, And finally we're at one, one dolly Robinson (laughs) of the giants, your favorite team. The New York yeah, Giants. Yeah. Um, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with him? Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm getting a little spooked on <laughs> on the Giants. I haven't been. I I have not been drafting him that don't, much. Don't you lead me astray now, Eric? I know. I probably brought you on just like you brought me on to Kirk, and now I guess you're still drafting. I have nine percent 
Juan Dale average average nine percent. You fucking fraud. Yes, exactly. Nine percent. Uh, uh, Juan Dale at an average ADP of one ninety. So I feel pretty good about the. You know, I was smashing uh. him, absolutely smashing him earlier, and then I just really quick want to check. I have fourteen percent Saquon. So you see, I've been backing off these giants as. I was bullish on them as we talked about, we talked about in like fucking March, you know, and I was talking about the giants, but as Saquon has gotten up to like the one, two turn from the middle of the third round, as Wandale has gotten into the one fifties and, and rising, um, I, I'm not taking Galladay anymore because I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if Colin Johnson's starting over, over Kenny Galladay based on everything we're hearing with him. And um, I don't really don't know what's going on with Tony. I am still taking some Daniel Bellinger uh, and Ricky sales. Jones just got put on IR today. So Bellinger is definitely locked into the tight end role. If you were even worried about that before, but somebody, somebody posted something the other day that was like how I started to, to feel about the giants. And it was like, people started to steam up, uh, you know, Saquon, Daniel Jones, Tony, Wandale, even Bellinger's getting a little bit of late round hype. And when you look at that offense, you're like, it's kind of what you've probably been saying about me. Like, no shit, idiot. You're just not realizing this. But it was when they were so cheap, the market was like, no, nah, these dudes suck. Saquon in the third fucking round, Wandale in the 17th round, yeah. like they were so cheap. Now the market has kind of realized maybe we should pay, we should we should buy these guys. And now I'm like, uh, it's this is a this is a Kadarius Tony. Uh, Wandale, who is the second coming of Rondale Moore, you know, gadget player offense, a San Diego State fourth round tight end, uh, Daniel Jones, you know, Sterling Shepard off of an ace, uh, an Achilles. I'm just, a, I'm just a little bit, a little bit worried. So I will probably still draft him. So I have to put him in the hype train. I am excited. I think Wandale is going to be a good player, but f- for like on underdog, Man, I don't know. I, I don't know how much more I'm going to get of him in the 150s and 140s where he's going. I think I'm done with him. So my exposure is 11% right now, which is probably shocking. But I was getting him really late. So my average ADP on him is 183. So at this point, I am more than because if I if I end now, I'm probably going to be at like seven or eight percent based on having like 20 teams left. Quick math. And I'm fine with that. He's from everything we're seeing from camp reports, he is going to be like the starting slot oh, he's starting, over there. Yeah. Like it's it for sure. But again, on what type of offense, the Barkley thing I've backed off on too. And I like Barkley a lot this year, but mm-hmm. just the way that I'm building that back end of uh, first round picks, because that's roughly where you have to get them now as your second round. I'm, I'm at 12% on him with an average ADP of 17.7 where he's at, 14 and a half right now. Um, I I just, I wasn't on the giants at all too much. And I'm overweight to a couple of the guys already. Tony, I'm probably average on, I don't need to look it up. Bellinger, like you said, he got sniped for me in a draft the other day in the 18th round. I had him locked up and loaded. Luckily I went back and checked and I was able to adjust, but I start him expecting to just be able to uh, time out in the 18th round. And, Lo and behold, somebody took Daniel Bellinger for some reason on a team that they didn't need to because that stuff's still happening, but just not a guy I would expect that with. So I guess I'm on the no right now, even though I am put him interested in no. to see what he does. But I, th- I, I think put him put him in no. The other thing with my exposure, I was actually really surprised at what it was by higher on DraftKings. I'm not going to look it up, mm. but um, is again, the structural thing. Yep. When, you, when you got to the 17th round 
and you start a zero RB team, you already got seven superstar wide receivers. I was taking what Dearness Johnson, I, Brian Robinson, when he went in the 17th round for a while there, right? Why do I have 14% Brian Robinson and only 9% Wandale? It's because I needed a fucking running back when I got to those rounds. I didn't need the, the, the wide receiver. And so, um, he's interesting. The giants are, are really interesting, but I have, if you would have told me when we talked, I mean, we've, we, you know, we talked most weeks here, mm-hmm. um, that I would be at these kind of mediocre ownership percentages on, on the giants. I would have probably laughed at you because I was really high on all of them, but they've kind of risen and, um, other situations have kind of cleared up or changed or whatever. And so I'm just a little lower and, and maybe a little bit more skittish on them than I was, uh, before. I'm actually a little shocked with how our board turned out. We kind of split these players between both, and I had a feeling we were going to be maybe too much on the hype train side. So I think kudos to us for uh, having the conviction to back off some of these players. I, I honestly, I really thought that this was going to go a little bit differently than it did. I think, and I think we we're we're reasonable. Um, I, it, it, I, all I want to say is the Isaiah likely one pained me. So that's my that's my pet my pet project of the year, you know. Uh, so he's doomed because last year that was Darrington Evans, and uh, uh, I guess I I got up to like you know forty percent Darrington Evans. So he's not quite as doomed as uh, as Darrington was because I was only able to get so much Isaiah likely before before he uh, blew the roof off of his his ADP. But uh, I think this is a totally reasonable. You know, people might nitpick or whatever, but um, I, I think it all makes sense. You notice it's really kind of the bad offenses and like the a little bit of the unpredictable ADPs that are in the bottom right like like mm-hmm. I mean that's why likely's down there if likely was just like oh he went from the 18th to the 16th like who gives a shit but he went from the 18th to like I have no fucking idea when he's ever even gonna 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 be drafted and so I'm just not gonna worry about him um Damian Pierce kind of like bad offense Wandale yep. probably bad offense and so I, I think that's a generally smart approach and that's kind of how I would you know there's a there's an eagle a 49er a bronco I guess the bears yep. up there but a bill it's all the elite offenses and then Khalil and Khalil Herbert uh basically yeah. up there yeah I, I think that going back to our conversation from a few weeks ago sometimes you just need to simplify your thought process and then expand upon it I think some people are still starting off to galaxy brain and not starting at the fundamentals and then galaxy braining. Right. So um, I I think this is, I think this is pretty, pretty much a good exercise in these players. And it's going to help me going forward for my last little round of drafts. We're, we're there. We're at the end. Like we are a few weeks away from being done from drafting. We're now MLB thought leaders. Um, (laughs) It's real interesting stuff. Is there so let me put you on the spot one more time before we get out of here? Yep, give me your top three exposure players in best ball mania right now. Oh, oh that's easy. Uh, uh, yeah, can you guess them? I'll let you. I want you to guess first. Oh, I don't, I don't know who your top three are. I don't, I don't know if you're going as nuts on certain players like I am, so it's a, it's a little tougher. Pretty close, me. pretty close. Is, on it a Ga- few. is it Gabe Davis? Of course, forty-four percent Gabe Davis through forty-four. 95. Wow, I'm I love it. Through That's what I'm here for. That is what I'm here for. I'm here for the stands. So right? one of my one of my also favorite. This is how I feel. This this is I, I always feel like this, but this is how I feel, um, even more passionately right now. That like we make this out this whole best ball thing out like 
everybody takes themselves way too seriously. God knows I do. I mean, you know, the shit that I'm talking mm-hmm. about four days a week, four or five days a week is kind of ridiculous. You know, young me would just be so embarrassed about the things I, you know, speak to internet strangers about. But we all take take this shit too seriously. Like, you know, can't get over X percent of certain player and, you know, this guy's priced at his ceiling and this, that and the other. And it's like, like, let's just have some fun. And right, like Gabe right. Davis is fucking fun for me. In my opinion, he's a guy that I want to watch, that I want to have money invested in. And you know, if he if I don't win a million dollars, I wasn't gonna or two million dollars, I wasn't probably, I'm probably not gonna win it anyway. At least let me have a little bit of fun. And Hayden Winks from Underdog was in the Discord today, you know, uh, basically saying something about like you know this is supposed to be fun. At the end of the day, remember that mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I believe that, and that's Gabe is one of those guys. Kyle Pitts is actually my fourth, um, so I was going to cheat and put him put him fourth. It was the same thing with Kyle Pitts, and I'm probably still going to – he's getting steamed a little bit now because of the the one catch, which, like you said, was funny. But one target, um, yep. I'm still going to I'm still gonna draft Kyle Pitts because guess what? Kyle Pitts is really fucking fun to have yep. on, on your teams. You know, like getting your Jarvis Landry ADP value, like I'm not – that's not the, the life that I'm about in these drafts. And so um, – just wanted to to hit that because there was a couple good um like bradley is here saying love the show appreciate all the time and effort you guys have have poured in and i think um you know and james is here showing up to to say what's up and i think i i hope that that shows through you know that we're here like you're taking a big stand on your takes you have tons of mahomes and uh my second highest exposure players mvs who is one of your highest exposure players and the same thing like MVS catches two bombs for a touchdown. Like that sounds fun to me from Patrick Mahomes, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm taking some of those stands. All right. So you have MVS, you have Gabe Davis, Daryl Henderson, Daryl Henderson. That's that. So that's an interesting one. I would have not guessed that one. Yep. Um, zero RB. I mean, a zero RB bro with, yeah. with, with Daryl Henderson, my average ADP is 138.65 and I have 33% Daryl Henderson. Uh, so uh, he was fitting into that, you know, that bucket where it was like, I don't know, I'm just going to take Daryl Henderson every time until he rises. And um, he kind of has now. So I'll give you my top five before we get out of here. Who do you think's number one? I'll let you get that guess. You got it. You're going to be close. It, is it Kirk? No, he's number four. <laughs> and four jesus christ you have three guys higher than christian kirk well he's actually tied for for third i have two guys at 40 percent. so mahomes is one of the 40 then or is did or have you gotten over that on mahomes mahomes and kirk are tied at 40 so they're like basically okay. tied at three well then mvs is your highest 48 percent. he's my highest love it dearness is at 41 percent. Uh, i knew it i'm dearness is my eighth eighth highest and my number five is Javante Williams at twenty six percent. Now we're talking, which I want. I just want to. I just want to pound him. I, I just yeah. in the second round. I just want Javante Williams. God damn it! You have more. I only have nineteen percent. Now I'm. I'm gonna have to catch up. I'm gonna have to catch up on Javante because I can't have. Uh, look at this. Mike Rob is in here guessing uh, some pretty <laughs> accurate. Some pretty accurate takes here. Mahomes and. Uh, and, and like you said, it's fun. I want to root for guys. I, I can now root for Patrick Mahomes and <laughs> and MVS every week because I'm like, I have a high clip of these guys. And no matter what, I'm going to be able to root for these guys. Right. So like that's that's what I'm all about, too. Like I'm I'm taking stands on the guys that I want to root for this season and just have fun playing best ball. And they're, you're not taking stands on what you think are bad picks. 
right? I mean, it's Patrick fucking Mahomes going in the fifth round, right? On right. I actually think the Chiefs, this might be like the best Chiefs offense. Um, you know, I was thinking you, about we, this we can, earlier today. We'll talk about it we, later, but yeah, we, I was thinking we, the same we, thing. We have we have a follow up show to do at some point in these next couple of weeks that uh, we can talk about it later. But these are these are high upside shots. You know, if it doesn't work out, we'll do we'll we'll do some playoff drafts. Uh, we 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 made the <laughs> NHL next year. We made NHL and NBA playoff best ball. Uh, uh, we advanced in those, so we might as well uh, just carry right. it over. More Mahomes and MVS stacks in those. Absolutely. So with that being said, for myself, for Eric Bimefor, we will see you soon. Peace.